excited to be here this morning, a nice snowy morning. My, my girls' school was canceled again today. Like, it has been the snow um, apocalypse, maybe. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> we have you sitting in different groups. We have you sitting in band groups today. We're excited to have kind of a church planning theme. And originally in the calendar, this was a, a hands day. And in a different way, this is a hands day. This is going to be, in a lot of senses, praying through and planning through what it would even look like to be going out and, and starting a community in that way. You want me to use this one instead? Or is this just extra? Cool. Um, we do have some visitors with us. You've seen them on campus, but um, there are resident experts visiting through. And so I have uh, Steve here who's going to introduce just these guys that are wandering around and what they're about because you may not know their stories and everything about them. So I have Steve Elliott right up here. And do you guys appreciate Steve Elliott and what he does for the school? Let me introduce uh, some of these very dear friends of mine. Mark, would you stand up back there? This is Mark Parker. Wave, Mark, so they see who you are. Mark Parker is a graduate of our school. Uh, he is 10 years younger than I am, and so when he was doing his internship, he actually did his internship at our church in Canada. And so I've known Mark for many, many years. We had a lot of fun. I got to know all of his idiosyncrasies and what he would eat and what he wouldn't eat. Uh, we, we loaned him a, a real a wreck of a car when he was with us uh, for his internship, and uh, we just had a wonderful time. Anyways, Mark has uh, pastored a number of churches over the years since then, and he has gone on to uh, plant a, a really very strong, vibrant church in Kempville, Ontario called Southgate Community Church. Since that time, more recently, he is now coordinating church planting for the Wesleyan denomination from all of from this side of Quebec, the province of Quebec, all the way to British Columbia, and all the way up into the Northwest Territories. And so he coordinates church planting in a very, very huge area, and we're really very pleased to have him with us. The fellow that's sitting to his right um, with the checkered shirt on, Mike Croto, would you stand and just wave a little bit? Um, this is Mike Croto. Um, Mike planted a church in Canada, the same community that I planted a church in, only he did his much more recently, and they meet in a strip plaza. Mike's going to tell you a bit of his story. Uh, I will tell you that uh, he's adopted a little boy and is fostering a child right now, he and his wife, with the hopes of adopting that child as well. And so they've got a real heart. I think, Mike, did you say, uh, did you say that you at one point wanted to have seven kids? Yeah, for volleyball. For volleyball, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he's got a real heart uh, of ministry, very, very community-minded, and we really uh, appreciate Mike and, and his family. Uh, the tall fellow that's standing back here, Richard, just wave back there. Richard is from a, a community called Altoona, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's a church planter. Uh, his mom and dad are missionaries. Uh, he actually went to Bible college first in Swaziland. Then he graduated from here, and then he went on to, was it Wesley Biblical? Wesley Seminary and got his master's degree, and so he is also a church planner, and we are really, really pleased to have these guys here. Uh, Mark, in particular, is also going to be sharing a little bit of a challenge that's coming up uh, in April to the entire student body, uh, but we're going to give that uh, mic to him a little bit later, and they're going to be making their presentation at that time. So let's give these guys, these three guys, a really warm welcome, shall we? Thanks, Steve. We're going to be hearing from them in the second half. Okay, how many of you in here are planning on church planning someday in the future? Okay, so, okay, here we go. Yeah, we got some. Okay, here, here's the deal. This isn't just for church planners. This is for everyone that wants to be a teacher, 
uh, a counselor, a pastor. Today is designed for you because a majority of you, or a lot of you, will be going into churches that need leadership, maybe even you to be a part of a church plant and what's happening new in that community. So today isn't designed just for church planners. This whole day is designed for you to get an insight as to what it looks like to actually have the mindset of a church planner, to support someone that might be wanting to do something like this, and to have the overall feel. So this is really designed not for church planning majors, but for all of you. So we need you to engage in and be excited about this because it's going to be a fun, it is going to be a fun hands-on day. Um, In-house thing to deal with real quick before we get started. Check-ins. We need you, those are going to be, those have been going underway, but especially from here on out, uh, I know that there's a few weeks the emails did not go. We need you to, on Monday, Sundays and Mondays, be doing the check-in. This week, because of March break, that will be opened up Friday through that, that, through that Monday there. It won't include Sunday, but that is the idea of make sure you're still doing the check-ins and being involved with Chapel and Pulse and everything related there. So we have, the day looks like this. We're going to hear, uh, we're going to have my, um, we're going to have someone Skype in here in just a second and be with us, and then we're actually going to have a church planning simulation. You're actually going to be going through the process of planning a church in a specific area yourself, Ooh. and then we're going to be hearing from some guys that are doing that and what it looks like for you to possibly connect with their stories or to know more of what that would look like afterwards. This uh, first guy is actually my brother-in-law. His name is Brandon Bruce, and he just church planted down in Clearwater, Tampa Bay, Florida. And uh, there is different things where, th- this is a big city. Some of you plan on going somewhere out. This guy is someone that's really planted inside of there. And you know what? He hasn't cared about numbers that much. He, he is one of those that got- cares about numbers in the sense of he cares about, they, they-, they represent a person and a soul. But um, just to give you a heads up, sometimes you start very small. You start with one person, just like, it's called just like, a, I don't know what you call it, but you, you just drop them in their area and they start making friends. Maybe with a family, maybe not. You have some people that start with like a small group and they build up there. There's another side of church planning is where you start to do kind of preview services that lead up to a launch day. And so Brandon went out and I think they wanted to have a certain amount of couples. And then they, um, so they, they did a year of preview services or Bible studies or things that led up to the launch Sunday, the beginning of January. So as they started, they actually launched with over 500 people as a church plant. Um, but even the bigger number for him would have been less that, um, and, and that will even out, they'll, they'll figure that out, but there's been over 100 commitments to Christ in some format or another that have happened within this first two months. 100 commitments. You can give applause to that. It's amazing. Because you're connecting with people that haven't been connected to a church, have been disillusioned, and so we're going to hear from him, and we're going to give him about 15 minutes just to share his insights, his passion, and, and, and how he got to the place that he is today. So we're going to call him up over Skype right now, and yes, he married my oldest sister. So that is, this is Brandon Bruce. Hey, Brent. What's up, everybody? Cool. 
Hey guys, thanks for letting me join you. Uh, like Brent said, my name is Brandon and uh, just planted a church down here in the Tampa Bay area about seven weeks ago. So that's that's where we're at. And uh, we have a, a baby church, brand new. It's a big baby. We have uh, several hundred people coming and uh, it's been a lot of fun though. And uh, we uh, started our journey about a year ago. And Brent, do you want me just to go ahead and tell the story a little bit? Okay, cool. Well, it's a huge honor to share this with you guys. Uh, we started uh, January 11, uh, 2014. Uh, my wife and our four kids moved to uh, Clearwater, Florida, and we uh, set out to start a brand new church in an area that really needs it. We live in a county that has a million people, and about 800 to 850,000 of them will not be in an evangelical Christian church this Sunday. And uh, it's been called a church planner's graveyard because it's so densely populated that uh, most church plants in this area have failed, and so when we found this out, it was part of the calling to come here. We just knew there was a need, and so we moved down with three other families that came from our church in Michigan, where Brent actually used to be on staff there as well, and three of the families came with us to start the church. We started meeting in a living room and uh, had nine adults, six kids a year ago today, and we started just reaching out to people and trying to share the love of Christ. Our Kind of our mantra was just love people to Jesus. And so we, uh, we did things like a barbecue or a free bowling night, uh, stuff like that. We just kind of provided to connect with people in the community. And people started coming, showing up, and we'd love on them and uh, get to know them and listen to their story. And we told our team from the beginning, we're not trying to sell anybody anything. We're trying to share something. Uh, Jesus has changed our lives, so we want to share that with, with them. And uh, then we did our first launch team gathering in April of last year, and we had about 50 people show up for that. We were meeting in plastic chairs in the lobby of a high school, and we started meeting every other week. We didn't have a band. We didn't have any live music or anything, but I'd get them talk a little bit. We'd share some videos, and we did that for six months, and it grew from like about 50 people to 140 people, and then we did our first preview service in October of last year, and we had a couple hundred people show up, and we did three of those, and uh, the momentum really was starting to build, and then we did a big launch day January 11 of this year. And we had 592 people show up. We saw 54 people make a commitment to Christ on that day, which was incredible. And uh, and then we we started our first teaching series the next week, and, and we kept about I think 518 of those people came back after the launch. And uh, we did a six-week series on relationships, which we just finished this last Sunday. It's called Getting Real. And we, we talked about developing our relationships taught from the Bible. And then this this coming week, we start our second teaching series called Throw It Down. And we're talking about throwing down everything that hinders us from pursuing Christ and living for Him and reaching our potential in Him. And, and so that's where we're at. We're, uh, we're a baby. We're a brand new baby. And you guys know about babies that, you know, sometimes they cry in the middle of the night. Sometimes they poop, all that stuff. And uh, so that's where we're at. We're trying to take a, a baby church. And it's, it's exciting. It's messy. It's fun. It's hard work. It's all those things together. But I've never been a part of anything that was so fulfilling. And I've never worked so hard or prayed so hard in my entire life. So... That's just a little quick snapshot of the journey, and I'd uh, love to help answer any questions I can uh, that might help you guys. Yeah, so one thing, why did you, um, we've talked about this, and this was huge for me, why did you decide to go a city where there's obviously already churches versus uh, other areas in the world that may not? Yeah, it's a good question. I think this is a question of personal calling. I mean, there is a need for Jesus everywhere. I, I think you could throw a dart at the map um, anywhere in North America. I mean, you get out beyond North America, anywhere in the world, and you're uh, you're going to find people who don't know Christ. And so you got to go with what God calls you to do. 
But I specifically felt drawn towards a large city because uh, we wanted to go to a place where there was a lot of need. And again, there's a lot of need everywhere. But uh, we started looking at some of the larger metro areas and we realized that there's not only thousands of people that don't know Christ, which was the case in the small town I grew up in when I was a young kid. But there's actually, in some cases, like where we live now, hundreds of thousands of spiritually lost people. And so we wanted to be in an area long term and, you know, build a ministry and be there for more decades than years. And so an area that had, you know, just a ton of people and a ton of need, we felt like we could give our lives to uh, something like that. And just was a personal calling for us, really. We pray it through. Awesome. Um, and so and so with that, even though there's hundreds of thousands for you, but there's other churches, but like proportionally, that was a big deal. I'm just I was wanting to feed that one out because that was big for me. So for you, like there's other churches. Why do you need another church in an area that they can see a church in almost every corner already? That's tradition. Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, uh, the street we meet on uh, further down the road, some people even call it Church Row because there's three or four uh, churches down that road, um, which is funny to me that it's just a handful of churches, but they call it Church Row. But uh, where we live, we did some demographic studies, and there is about 360,000 people that could drive to the high school that we meet in. We set up and tear down in a high school. We, we rent their auditorium every week. And 360,000 people, um, 80 to 85% of them um, are not connected to an evangelical Christian church. They, don't, they, just, they won't be there on Sunday. And so for us, uh, we realized that not only are – is there a need? But there's a huge need for more churches and, and more churches than just us. Before we even started, we already started giving money away to other church plants in the area just because we realized there's a need for more churches here. And we're not going to reach them all by ourselves. And there's different churches for different kinds of people. I've heard someone say that once that, you know, the kind of church and the kind of people that we're reaching is going to be different than the, the kind of church that's across town that's reaching a different demographic and, and all of them are needed. So, So you have a room full of pastors, youth pastors, counselors, teachers, two four-year program, um, if, and we're going to be kind of doing even a church planning simulation, kind of an idea of what it would look like to even pray through that. Some would actually be lead pastors, some would just be a part of the congregation. Uh, what would be some tips or starter points for something like that as someone that literally is right on the ground just after a launch six weeks in? Uh, would you have any advice? Yeah, you know, you're going to you're going to give your life to something and I don't know what God's going to call each of you to of course, but um, I hope that you'll consider making church planning in some way a part of that journey what you give your life to uh, because it makes an impact. It really does. One of the cool things that we've talked about on our little team uh, that had started this church is that that our hope and desire and our prayer that this church will have a generational impact and so when we're gone and not only not doing ministry, but when we've left this world, that there'll still be a healthy, vibrant church that's going on to reach future generations for Christ uh, beyond us and make an impact beyond our lives. And getting to be a part of establishing that and starting that is just so cool. It's such an adventure, and it's needed. I can't tell you guys how encouraging it was, especially those first six months, and even now, really. Uh, but those first six months when like one new person, we had a college student actually that joined up. Uh, those first 15 people, there's one college student he was attending Clearwater Christian down here, and he joined up on our team. He's a musician. He's a really neat guy. And that one guy, I mean, he made a, he made an impact, honestly, in those first few months. And uh, he ended up not coming back to the school, so he's he's back home in his home state. But even just for that short time he's involved, he really made a visible impact. And uh, he's going to actually come down here this, this next weekend to visit, and he hasn't been to the church yet uh, since it started. And I think it's going to be really fulfilling for him to see how it grew from him being one of those first nine adults so now hundreds of people, I think we've had 1,100 people that have come through the church so far. 
and these uh, opening weeks total. And just to know that the impact of that and 100 plus people giving their lives to Christ so far, um, he was a part of starting that. And he'll always, whatever God takes him in his journey, he'll always know he had a part in starting something that's going to go on and change a lot of lives. I think that's pretty pretty cool. And so whether you uh, serve on a volunteer team to help start a church like that, whether God calls you to be a staff member, a lead pastor, um, you're married with someone that's a co-pastor or they're the senior pastor and you're supporting them. Um, man, I can't tell you how my wife has uh, made a huge impact. There's no way this church would have been able to, to start without her. Um, whether you're a financial supporter, we've had people that have given as low as we have one woman that's given $10 a month since we started. And that made a huge impact. And, and uh, you know, however God calls you, your prayers, I mean, there's no way um, lives would be changed without without Christ. A lot of us who are fasting and praying are still doing that uh, once a week and just, just praying before God consistently about the church. So that makes an impact. I know there's people around the country praying for us. Um, we, uh, we have a lot of people that are just regularly praying. We, uh, we, we've seen God do some amazing things that can only be described uh, through an, an answer to prayer. So uh, I'll just tell you, in any way that God calls you to be involved, whether you're a doctor or a missionary or a pastor or uh, you work at a retail store, you can be a part of a church plant, and there's church plants within driving distance of wherever you'll live most likely. And so jumping in and being a part of something new like that will make an impact that will last beyond your life, and I think it's, it's worth the, the cost. All right, B. So I got I, I could go three directions here. I'm going to let you choose one. One would be most of the people here haven't heard a lot of church planning statistics, in the, unless they're in church planning class. So you're talking about the impact of church planning. They may not grasp the fullness of that. The second one would be a lot of people are thinking about their futures, and I know for you, even though the church plant has gone amazing, you had to contemplate leaving a church that was well-established to go into the unknown. It might be interesting to hear a little bit of that journey. And then third, I remember having a conversation with you. We got to be there for the launch. And I remember um, you doing a lot of recruiting. Like, I mean, this wasn't just like you just prayed in a room and people just showed up. This was like you going out, doing all these things, meeting a lot of people. And I remember us even talking through you um, doing like different ways to get your name out there church-wise and even going through like a mailing process and a Facebook process and the difference there. So like I could go practical tip, like just like what even like what you know through that process of getting your name out there, giving up so much, or even just like the importance of church planning versus other things. Like what's why church planning in that sense? Yeah, this is some good questions, B. I, I think I kind of weave some of those together. I think uh, from what I heard and did a lot of studying before I, I left to do this, of course, there, uh, there's just such a, there's such a need for new churches, but new churches are so hard to start. And I've heard all kinds of stats, but the average stat I've heard is about 60% of them um, at the three-year or the five-year mark no longer exist because it's really hard to get not only get it going, but to sustain it. And, and a lot of churches get started, but then they just don't have enough momentum to, to keep going. And so they end up closing at some point and whoever started it moves on and they just they didn't they needed to do something else to survive. And so uh, it's really hard. And especially if you go to some areas that are unreached, they're unreached usually for a reason. Uh, for example, where we live, it's a beautiful area and there's just a lot of distractions. And so living down here, I realized one of the reasons why it's so hard to uh, start a church and to build a church is because on an average weekend, you're competing with things like Disney and Busch Gardens and SeaWorld. They're all in driving distance. You have some of the best beaches in North America are like literally just minutes away. And so on the weekend, you're not competing with another church. You're competing, which we're on the same team, of course, anyway. But you're you're competing with some of the greatest like adventures that people have. You know, they, they want to go to the beach, you know, on Sunday. They want to they they work during the week. So they have a weekend. 
And so every area is unique and you have to kind of be a student of the area and find out what's working for that area. And so we, we had to make our services a little more creative and a little more modern and appealing um, so that we can capture the attention of people and um, we're surrounded by the entertainment industry. industry. And so um, that was one thing is just learning the area and realizing that it's, it's going to be hard no matter where you're at, but every area has its own unique difficulties and challenges. And uh, so that, as far as the statistics, that's one thing I heard, heard that a lot of them fail. Um, so we went in with that preparing for hard work, and it, it's been a lot of hard work. And I would say, uh, you know, as far as going to a city and some of those questions, you know, we, we started praying on March 20, 2012. You talked about being in a comfortable situation. We were. We, had, we were pastoring a church of maybe five, 600 people. Um, we, had, uh, we were going to be leaving a church where our staff was bigger than the church we were starting. And so uh, we were going back to, you know, the ground level. And I had three kids, a, a pregnant wife. And um, I remember one of my family members saying, Brandon, this could be the worst decision of your life um, in, in those early stages. And they were just asking me, like, are you sure this is a calling? And then I got a phone call from a really large church of a few thousand people, and they wanted me to candidate to be senior pastor. And I was praying that through. And at the end of the day, I just, we, we it literally took about two years of uh, us praying it through and fasting, getting advice for others. We just knew that God was calling us to go. And so I'd say whatever you do, you want to you wanna begin in prayer and just bring it before God diligently. A lot of people just throw up a prayer request, but like um, there's a difference between uh, just asking God for something and begging God for something. And we were best begging God to make it clear because we didn't want to miss what he wanted for our lives. And we were in that stage. We just got into our 30s. We were ready to put down roots and our kids were getting older. We were like, God, we'd love to, if you want to place us somewhere and plant us, we would love to just be there long term. And so... We were thinking through all the different options, and it ended up being the, the harder route that we felt was, we had peace on, and uh, it meant saying no to some other great opportunities. Uh, but in the end of the day, even though that has been the most difficult uh, year of my life uh, in ministry, is most challenging year, uh, it's been the most fulfilling year of my life, and I wouldn't trade it for anything because it began with prayer. God made it clear we stepped out in faith, and we've seen God do some unbelievable things. Uh, that again can only be described through God being at work and His hand of favor resting on the church. So um, I, I would say go with, go with where God leads you, and don't always go with the most comfortable. But that doesn't mean you need to choose a hard road. Just intentionally, purposefully. We live in a beautiful area. Uh, a lot of people gave us slack. We're, we're about out of time, too. We, we, we got we to gotta go on to the next segment here. So, like, this will be kind of like, as we get this reconnected, be kind of final words. Well, no, no, don't say goodbye yet. We'll give you, like, final words here. But we would love for you just to uh, give us your final words on what you're saying here. All right, guys, don't get too relaxed. I mean, we're almost there. I don't want you to, like, get up and, like, for us to have, have to take a long time to get, bring it back in here. Gotcha. Check, check. All right. All right, we're bringing it back in. He's got the number up there, so that means he's connecting it over. Beautiful. Okay.
So B, you've been doing awesome. We've been appreciating you. Don't freeze on me. All right, you're there. Cool. Um, if you were to give us a kind of a, a last minute or two minute summary kind of as we're going on to this, anything else you want to encourage us with or finish out the, even what you were saying, love to hear that from you. Are you frozen? Please tell me not. Are you muted, B? No headset detected. That's cool. You're looking down and all. Um, it might be a, a, there you are. Hey, B. Brandon. All right. He can't, well, he can't see me right now either. The front camera's not working. The other camera's frozen. Okay, we're going to call again. <laughs> Even better. Yes. <laughs> hey, Brandon. We were hey. Told, hey, we were totally reconnected to you, and you couldn't see us so you, or hear us. So we just saw you like sitting there like looking down. And staring at the camera <laughs> for the last minute or two. That's, that's okay, funny. so if you could give your final, get a final minute or two, finish up your thought, or just um, closing out what you want to say to us, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Okay, I guess my final thought would be uh, give, your, give your life to something that, that matters, and whatever God calls you to do, you know, do that, and you can do that through any occupation. But, man, I, I love giving my full-time efforts to ministry, and I get to spend all my waking hours other than when I'm with my family and, and that kind of thing. Uh, just just give my my life to seeing people come to know Jesus and to building the church, building God's church. And there's nothing nothing greater, in my opinion, that you can do with our life than to build God's church, which is people. And uh, so I encourage you to give your life to that, and it'll be a rewarding life. When you get to the end of it, you won't have a lot of regrets, and you'll have a lot of fulfillment knowing that you gave yourself to something that matters for eternity. So. Yeah, great to great to meet you guys through the video here. Uh, and B, last and, uh, question then. I know you kind of do this. You call it commitments to Christ. How many commitments to Christ have you seen happen so far in the first six weeks here? Um, I think it was 117 before last Sunday, and I think we had at least eight this last Sunday. So whatever that is, 120. Amen, amen. B, thanks for what you do. We appreciate you, man. Seriously, love you as a brother, and really appreciate you uh, taking this time with us, B. No problem. It's my honor. See you guys. All right, go get them. Later. Awesome. Okay, so there, that's just one idea, one thing there, all right? Um, he, in the midst of that, he's been working hard. Like, I mean, like, he really has been doing mail-outs. Uh, Facebook, it was interesting. They, they got comic cards as to where they got people, and it was Facebook versus a mailing thing. And on this first week, the mailing thing, the, the mail-out, I think had maybe a little bit of an older crowd, that had complaints on it. The Facebook, people that came from Facebook, there were no complaints. Like, it was almost an interesting, like, in, in, in the genre of people or where you get from. There's just so much things that happen just through, like, where you pre present or where people come from to hear about your church and um, different media formats. All right. Right now, I'm going to invite Mark up here. Um, uh, let's give Mark a hand. Let's give him up here. <laughs> on your tables. You have a folder, and they're not the same. You have different cities or towns around uh, North America in here. And it has some basic demographics. So what we're going to do is you're going to have a minute, and we're going we're gonna to drum roll and open that up, and then you're going to talk through that. And Mark's going to walk us step by step as to what it would look like to church plant. So go ahead and you have 30 seconds to open up the folder and reveal where you're at, and then we'll get started here.
test. Everyone that's doing a Canadian city, we we're giving you a new car, all right? So, uh, no, just, <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Yeah, Canada. Okay, hey, here you go, though. So he, he's going to walk us through a few different things step by step. You are encouraged, if you want to, to find information, to use your computers or your phones, not for Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and Twitter, okay? That, this is not a time to be doing those in between. I'm asking this is like an integrity thing. Don't get distracted and be on there, please. This is, that's for purposes of researching if you're wanting to with that on this. Second thing as we're doing this, um, we'll be talking about you doing this maybe for reals later on, uh, a, a little bit later. Uh, but for this time, take this like it is for reals. We're wanting to treat the, the table that we feel like does it the best. Uh, we're going we're gonna to evaluate them, and we're going to treat the table that does it best to taste and see for a lunch afterwards. So there is incentive to not just only do this, but to have a good time and enjoy this. So, um, but take it, take it to heart. Hey, guys, realistically, too, these cities matter. Like, there's people in each of these cities that are unsaved. And God really might be calling you to this place. You never know. So go ahead. And if we were starting this process and we were, God placed this place in our, our minds, our hearts, where would we go from here? All right. Let's have some fun together because I think all of you are going to enjoy this. Let's start out by saying that the, the, the city you have in front of you and the folks that are sitting around your table, you're going to be the launch team that's going to launch this church. So, uh, so as you look at your sheet you have in front of you, you have some basic demographics that are there. And I, I saw a sample of it last night of what you have. So you have some basic demographics. I'm going to show you on the screen in just a moment some, a, a sample prospectus that you would have to present to a, um, a district board or a conference to get permission to do a church plan. So, so what you're doing is a real-life thing that our church planners have to do if they're going to get permission to go ahead and to launch a church on behalf of their, their network or their denominational group. So, uh, so what you have in front of you, you're a team. So let's, one of the first things we normally do on our prospectus is you take your team and you figure out, uh, so for example, if you're just a husband and wife that's planted a church, you would put a bio in there. You would tell about who you are and your kids and how you love your dog, your cat, or whatever. Tell a little bit of something personal about you. But as a team, what I want you to do all right, even though you have some demographics there and you can flesh that out a little bit more later, I want you to take a few moments now and just decide around the table what role are the different people in your group, who's going to be, who's going to be the lead pastor, who's going to be the worship leader, or, or what part are you going to play in the team. So let's just take a few moments and in your perspectives develop what role you're going to play. Let's do it. Okay, so you got your team together, You've, uh, get, you got maybe a bio written out of who you are, you tell about your different team members, what role you're going to play, uh, and so it's kind of fun. To Bringing it back in, sorry about that. Bringing it back in, and you're still talking, let's bring it back in. And, and boy, I'm used to that. Um, so the next step we want to take in this is, let's go to your city that you have, you have some basic demographics in front of you, so... What I want you to do now is I want you to take those demographics and I want you to begin to think about you're going to see the median age of your, of your city or your location. You're going to see some of the details there. 
if you want to look up some more things, you can go to different websites. You can go to um, citydata.com for in the United States in particular. They have really good uh, things about all the different cities. Uh, in Canada, you can go to Community Profiles, a part of Statistics Canada website. Uh, you can just Google all that. And so you can do all that. You can flesh it out a little bit more. But here's what I want you to do. This is the key part of it. If you are looking at the ages of the people that are in your city, you need to identify, let's say, two or three felt needs of, of, a, of a way of connecting with that age group. So what are you going to do? So for example, up on our prospectus here, up on the, up on the screen, this particular family are, have gone to Winnipeg, Manitoba. So we planted our first Wesleyan church ever in the province of Manitoba. And they started an immigration center because Manitoba, or Winnipeg, Manitoba, is known for a place where immigration big time comes into the city. And so when they started um, looking at all their demographics, they began to, to um, identify felt needs that were in that city. And they went the way of Im immigration, and they started a brand new international friendship center that every week reaches over 100 or so brand new people to Canada who, who don't know the language, they don't know where to go, but they know about the Wesleyan Church Friendship Center uh, that's in their city, and they go there for help. So take a look at your demographics, flesh it out a little bit more, go to citydata.com for the United States, go to Community Profiles uh, for in Canada, Statistics Canada. You, you, you know how to use Google better than I do. You can find out other uh, demographic sites. So flesh it out a little bit more. And then tell me maybe two, let's say two felt needs that you think would help you build credibility. Because remember, you're nobody to these people. You're coming in fresh. You've got to build credibility. And the way you do that is you identify with them and begin to sort of connect with them. So what are you going to do to do that? So let's, let's take a few moments to do that. Go. Good job. So uh, some of you, this will be a stretch to think of this way. But um, boy, what a great exercise. So you're learning about your city, you want to identify some felt needs in that city based on your demographics. What do 40-year-olds need versus those that are maybe older or younger? What ministries are you going to have? Remember when you do a church plant, you can't do everything at the beginning. So what few things are you going to do and do well?
Okay, so let's get ready to go on to something else. And uh, remember, this is an exercise today, so do the very best you can, and we'll just keep working through it. So now that you have uh, chosen, you've got your city, you've looked at your demographics, um, and maybe identified some uh, needs that you think was within that city, let's take a crack at what kind of church you're going to be. So here are three things that I want you to do. First of all, I want you to, to say what your mission is going to be. So, for example, and I don't, have, I don't know if it's up here or not. I'm just looking to see. Um, just let me just, I'm trying to give you an example. Oh, here we go. So see at the very top of the page, he's, now that they've investigated, they've, they wrote a battle cry or a statement about what kind of church they're going to be. So here's what I want you to do. This will help you flesh it out to get to that point, so don't necessarily look at that. But the first question I want you to ask is, what is your mission as you go to this city? All right? I know it sounds like you say, well, my mission is telling them about God. I want you to articulate and put in a very simple statement, what is your mission? So the, so the question you're answering about mission is, what has God called you to do? So that's the question about mission. What has God called you to do? This church that I have up on the screen from you, they feel called to be there for the, um, the, the, uh, the immig immigrants that are coming into the city. So when they began to look at their demographics, felt needs, everything, they felt God was calling them to be there uh, to really zero in on uh, newcomers coming to Winnipeg, Manitoba. So the question I want you to answer just for a couple of minutes is your mission. And I want you to write a statement. What is, what, and the answer you want to, the question you want to answer is what is God calling you to do? Go. On to the next question. There's three questions you need to ask in this section. The first one is on mission. What has God called you to do? The second question is, is, is all about purpose. Purpose relates to how you're going to do it. So what's your strategy? Um, so how are you going? Okay, you know this is what your mission is, what God's called you to do. Now, what are two or three things that will identify um, how you're going to do it? How are you going to carry out this mission? Um, you may say, yeah, I'm going to carry it out by, by using, um, uh, maybe we're going to hear later about using a business to connect with the community. You may say, I'm going to do it by what these folks did. They created an international friendship center that was completely, uh, it's a part of the church, but separate from the church. And they've got a group of businessmen in the community to support the whole thing that pay for all the bills. Um, so they identified how they're going to reach their, their community. And so I want you to take a, a crack at that. And I want you to answer the question that relates to purpose. All right, so mission. What has God called you to do? Purpose, how are you going to do it? What's your strategy for getting it done? Okay, so take a few moments to do that. We talked about mission. What has God called you to do? Uh, purpose, how are you going to do it? That's the question you're answering. The third thing I want to give you and uh, have some fun with this is about vision. Vision sometimes gets interchanged in so many different ways, but the question I want you to answer on vision is, what will it look like when you get it done? So try and write a statement about what your church will look like. What does a win look like uh, if you were to accomplish your vision uh, for this church plan? Okay, so 
that's the last of the three questions that tie into this section. So go ahead and give, it, give that a shot. And again, just let, let us know if you need some help with that. We're going to be having you kind of turn in your folder at the end or a piece of paper in the folder so that we can kind of evaluate them. So if you could be starting to write out your mission statement, what you have down there on that so that we can have those after we hear from these guys in a few more minutes. So if you want to, as you're putting this together, have someone start to be recording this to where you can be turning this into us if it's on a computer or something. All right, thanks. You folks are doing really, really well. Now, I'm going to give you one final task. I know you're probably thinking, hey, hold on, we're not there yet. We haven't, we're not done. Um, church planners take months to develop this stuff and to work it through, and we're asking you to do it in minutes. So, um, so I hopefully you, you understand that, that sort of context that we're in. We're just, this is kind of the uh, microwave version of, um, of, of a church planning prospectus. Here's the final thing I want you to do. Um, the final thing relates to finances. Don't we love to talk about money? One of the biggest challenges in church planting is how do you pay the bills of what needs to be done? So here's what I want you to do on this particular section. I want you to tell me what you think. I'm not going to give you the answer, but what you think um, you need as far as money for your first year of your church plant. Let's just do one year. It's your first year of your church plan, and based on the scenario you've created in front of you, what kind of dollars do you need to see that happen? Now, you're thinking, oh boy, it's going to be X number of dollars. Boy, I don't have that in my pocket. Uh, you're not going to use credit, so uh, it's not going to be MasterCard and Visa and God that's going to plant this church, so you're not using credit. I'm telling you right now, this is a personal thing for me, is you don't use your Visa to finance it, uh, it's not Visa and God, it's God that's, that's building his church, all right? So figure out what you need for dollars, then figure out some revenue streams of where that's going to come from. For, so for example, is your district board going to give you some money? Are you going to go around and do some fundraising? Are you going to be bivocational? If so, you know, what's, what's going to happen there? So, so go ahead and give that a shot. Have some fun about... Uh, where that money's going to come from. If your church plant costs $2 million the first year, boy, I, I really want to hear where you're going to get that money from, all right? So have some fun with that and just figure out what you're going to do. So I just want to encourage you, if you're thinking about getting a team together, and I hope you are, and creating a prospectus or a proposal to present to the Dragons, uh, I want to encourage you to do that. We have some awesome prizes Matter of fact, the prizes are so awesome that I can't even tell you about it because if you knew about it, you, we would have way too many people involved. But we have some awesome prizes that are going to be a part of that night. And so that's April the 25th. That's a Saturday night right here in this, in this location. And so I just want to put that commercial out there for you to participate in the Dragon's Den. All right, so let me review that for you. I know some people are still talking. Zone in here for one second. Even if you're distracted by your proposal, here we go. We had two teams last year do the Dragon's Den. Um, yeah, we had two, and they did awesome. There should be even more than two. Like, this, like literally, like this is a, your chance to put a proposal like this on two church planners, and they're willing to invest as if, you, if it's uh, in that place for you to actually be. That might become a dream. That actually, that dream might come true. Like they're willing to invest into you actually being able to see that happen. So for those that are like, I love this. I want to explore this more. I want to get this opportunity. You can actually put your heart, passion into a possible church. 
and have the people that are even more so um, invested into this, the ones that would be making decisions on that, be here and give you some helpful tips and on that. So that's in two months. Two months? In two months, that's happening. So this is kind of the primer prepper. Like, you can even take what you already have and use that towards something else. So that's, um, don't miss that, even if you're in your thing. You're preparing for what you could do this in two months' time when they come back and the competition there. Excellent. Okay, so just take a couple of moments, finish up, and uh, then we're going to send the guys around. They're going to collect them from you. Yeah, me, Alicia, and Hope are going around. We're ready to get those from you as you uh, hand that folder to us. Yeah, so if you're done, just raise your hand if your team is done and you're ready to submit your folder. All right, 30 seconds, 29, 28, 27, 26. All right, just keep, uh, you're, you got about 15 seconds. But in all seriousness, just finish off what you have and uh, tidy it up and make it presentable and hand it to uh, one of the three that are coming around and, um, and they'll collect that from you. So let's go ahead and finish those off. Let's tidy them up. And just raise your folder in the air, and like you really don't care, and um, no. Just go ahead and raise your folder in the air, and uh, let's just finish that off. probably want to come up on the platform so they can see you. And a microphone. It's on mute right now, so you just push that button to go when the time comes. All right, so let's turn them in, and, um, and we're all done. You folks have done great, great questions, and especially for those of you who, who really haven't thought much about church planning and what a church planner goes through, you have done an awesome job. Thank you for uh, taking a few moments today to walk in their shoes and just kind of go through what they, what they go through. And this is such a small piece of the puzzle of everything that happens. Just as those are being collected up, we're going we're gonna to segue into the next part of what we want to do. I, uh, you've had a couple of gentlemen that were introduced to you already. They have been um, they're just awesome team members to work with, and I'm just so excited. And uh, so I'm going to give each of them uh, 15, 20 minutes max. And uh, if they go over 20 minutes, start throwing things at them. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, but we're going to give them um, some time to share with you just to kind of challenge you a little bit to think about outside the box about what church planning could look like. And uh, the first gentleman up is um, Pastor Mike Croto, and he comes. Yeah, give him a round of applause. Hey, excellent. 
Pastor Mike is our church planner in our um, in Ottawa, Ontario, and uh, Community Life Ottawa is the name of the church. And um, and Pastor Mike is going to tell us a little bit about what his church is uh, about, what they are doing to try and engage uh, the culture and the community around them. And so I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Mike at this time. And uh, I think I think you need to pay attention, or you might get in trouble. All right. So all right, here we go. Go ahead. Yeah, my cooties after. Uh, Y'all know my name is Mike, and uh, I tend to make a big mess of everything that I do, and so this guy's going to clean it up right after me. Um, I am a church planter in Canada, which is a suburb of Ottawa, and one of the ways that uh, we do church is we like to uh, put some mixed martial arts and kickboxing and that kind of stuff in it, and it's a great... It's a great thing to have, and let me tell you why. Is we like to dress for our board meetings for our church like this, because if it's starting to go downtown, we can throw down. And uh, the other thing that's great is that one of my board members, he is a kickboxer. I, I teach him kickboxing, and when him and I disagree on something, we can just call out in the ring, and I can get my way, whichever pastor wants, right? Get their way. Anyway, you're supposed to laugh. Loosen up. Okay, that was too stage. Anyway, uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about my journey to faith. Because in all honesty, when I was your age, I never thought I'd be even a Christian. I made fun of Christians. And I want to talk about my journey into ministry. And at that time when I, I was in ministry, I was a youth pastor. I thought I'd never do anything other than being a youth pastor for the rest of my life, and then uh, God called me into church planting, so I want to tell you right off the top, be surprised what God calls you to. Be surprised what God wants you to do and how he's going to work through you because he's going to do marvelous things when you're just available to him. Um, and uh, I want to light a fire in your heart. I really do. And I want to light a fire in your heart because, you know what, God has one missional plan for the world, only one. And it's the church, and it's you, and it's, and it's I. And uh, when I think about church planting, I think about this. You're either going to work in an existing church or be part of an existing church, and you're going to seed church plants because we're supposed to make disciples of all nations, right? Speak back to me, okay? Uh, um, so we're supposed to make uh, disciples of all nations, and that means as an existing church, you will seed church plants. Or God is going to have you... Uh, feed a church plant with your time, talent, and treasure. So some way, somehow, you're going to be a part of making disciples through church planting. So let's just get that super clear. And uh, the other thing is, is my whole life, I was the guy that had the least ability in whatever I wanted to do um, and I was passionate about, especially the martial arts. I was the guy that was the bottom of the class. But I just decided that I'm just going to work. I'm going to work at this. I'm going to work super hard at this. And I know it's going to hurt a little bit, but if I have a target, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to punch harder at that target than anybody else. And that was just my aim. And so when I, when I church plant, I, I got involved, and I'm like, I know it's going to hurt a little bit. But there's this target, and that's reaching broken people with the love and the power of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to punch hard at that. No matter what comes at me, I'm going to punch hard at that. And so 
Uh, I really believe that uh, when you think about the Holy Spirit, we think uh, of Him as being a comforter. That comforter is to get you out of a comfort zone. Okay, you're supposed to say amen to that. All right, you're supposed to get you out of your comfort zone. And, and uh, uh, when I, when I, for me, public speaking is out of my comfort zone. I grew up with a learning disability, so stutter and all that kind of stuff. I may, I may just fall into it in this time. But uh, let me tell you my journey now. I grew up, if anybody uh, in this crowd grew up in a non-Christian home. Yeah, okay, that's me. I grew up in a non-Christian home. Uh, I went to Catholic school because they just thought it would be better for me because I had a learning disability and they had better re- uh, remedial programs. Um, so uh, around grade four, my parents put me in a, a martial art program because they wanted to figure out some way to put discipline in this kid because hyperactivity and uh, aggression, and they just didn't know how to channel that, right? And so, uh, and I fell in love with martial arts. It helped me focus my attention. I got rid of aggression, um, and I was able to just to do, uh, just become a more focused person, right? Um, fast forwarding a little bit, at age 18, I decided to move across Canada to the west coast in Victoria, B.C., far as west you can go, and to, to start working in the martial art business, and I wanted to make it big in that industry. And at age 18, I, I, I started working in, in a, uh, a martial arts studio that had 100 people. I bought shares into that company as time progressed. And uh, overnight, we, drew, we grew that martial arts business. Well, I, I grew it to uh, 400 students. And it was the largest club in town. Then we decided like this. Multiplication was already in my blood, and I didn't know it yet. I didn't know how God was making me that way. But uh, it was already in my blood, and we're like, let's put, let's put this karate program and this kickboxing program in every, every part that there's 10,000 people that are living in, in this city. So we just started franchising in the city, and no one else was doing it, right? We started franchising it, one, two, and three. And at that time, my morals, money was coming in, but morals were going out. My life was shipwrecking just uh, emotionally. Uh, I didn't have any faith, and so... Uh, there was nothing to, to land on and, and to guide me back, right? But the interesting thing about my martial arts studios were filled with Christians. And they were always telling me about Jesus. And I'm like, I don't need no Jesus. I got it all, right, in my head. And this one lady, this is the best witnessing ever. She's like, oh, man, Mike, you got to come to my church. It's so awesome. We mosh, and it's really stimulating. And I'm thinking in my head, what I do in the bar is so much more stimulating what you do in your church, Right? Giggle? Man, loosen up. So uh, this was going through my head, but the interesting thing is every time my life was shipwrecking, a Christian was there talking to me about Jesus, about his love and about his power. And uh, finally, I gave in to these Christian invites to church. I went to a play called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, and it scared the hell out of me. Right? And uh, I ran to the altar, I'm like, okay, I'm going to say the sinner's prayer. I got a Billy Graham track, I read that, I did all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but it wasn't my time yet. And so, uh, progressive surrender uh, through circumstances, I hit the bottom part of my life. And at the bottom part of my life, I wanted to kill myself. And it was a Christian man that was my mentor. He was my, he was my business coach. He was a Christian, though. Why would a non-Christian pick a Christian man as his business coach? This guy was successful, and so I'm like, you're successful, I want to be successful, so I'm going to pick you. He wasn't even in the martial art business. Anyway, he was successful in relationships, and I wasn't. And he said to me when I was in the pit of my life, he said, 
Mike, there's going to be a greater equal seed of benefit in your life happen because of this pain. God doesn't waste your pain. And I just want to tell him to F off. But, because uh, that's the kind of guy I was. But I, I, I bit, my, I bit my, uh, my tongue and do you know what? He was absolutely right. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I progressively surrendered my life to Jesus. Now Wesleyans, what do you call that? Come on, where's the enthusiasm? So uh, there was this moment in my life where I, you know, I was like, I'm going to entirely surrender all my life to Jesus. And what that meant was this. God called me to give up my martial arts career, to, to walk away from it. It's the only thing I knew that my identity was and how to make money, and I completely walked away from it. And the only reason why? Because I love Jesus. And I want to tell the entire world about his love and about his power and, and how they, and they can experience him and so that's what I did I just and my parents were like are you on drugs I'm like I'm not on crack I'm on Christ which did not help at all they thought they're like he's definitely on drugs <laughs> he's definitely on drugs I'm like I'm not on drugs come on so I'm gonna fast forward I became a youth pastor and this is how church planting at this time I'm like I'm gonna be a youth pastor forever I'm gonna be a youth pastor forever and uh I remember sitting and tell Pastor Stewart, you guys met Pastor Stewart, Reverend Marples? Yeah, great guy. One of the best mentors in my life. Uh, he, he's like, Mike, you don't have to be anything but a youth, uh, youth pastor. I'm like, great. So I was in a fitness gym lifting weights in Brockville, uh, Brock Vegas, in case uh, you know what I mean. It, it never sleeps there. So I was in Brock Vegas, and I needed somebody to help me out lift, uh, lift some weights. So I picked a guy in the gym with the best bod. I'm like, hey, dude, he was way, I'm like, yeah, he maybe thought something, but I, I picked him, and uh, so he's lifting some weights with me, and, and I asked him, what do you do for a living? He goes, I'm a stripper. I'm like, I'm like this is going to be my favorite conversation of the day. I'm like, do tell. So, so and then we're lifting weights, and, and this guy says to me, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, this is a killjoy. I'm a pastor. He actually was intrigued, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is cool. Later, he came to faith. His girlfriend came to faith. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, right? So uh, this is the cool part. I came home that day, and I said to my wife, uh, who happens to be American, Texan, anybody American here? Whoa. Yes. They need help. <laughs> Hey, I, I got the mic. <laughs> Sorry. Any, anyway, 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 as I'm saying, you're going to really listen to him because he's going to help you church plant, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to tell a story that's going to light a fire, but you need to listen to him. You need to listen to Reverend uh, uh, Mark Parker and, and uh, Pastor Steve, Reverend Steve, Dr. Steve, uh, Steve. You're going to need to listen to those guys. I can light a fire, but you know what? You got to listen to those guys. They know what they're doing, right? And so uh, I came home that day and I said, Trish, wouldn't it be great that you mar we marry our faith of coffee, coffee shop, and church. Fitness and church. Kickboxing and fighting and church. And remember, I haven't, I haven't done martial arts for like years now. I haven't even thought about it. And so at that time, Stuart Marples and I and Trish, my wife, we started looking for a retail spot of uh, opening up a storefront coffee shop, fitness center, 
church. And so we can just meet people in the community. And uh, it didn't happen. God still had another uh, uh, job for me to do in the ministry of youth ministry. I went to Canada, met this awesome guy right there. Um, and uh, I was youth pastor there for a bit, and then I resigned for that position. And I spent about the next six to eight months uh, with Reverend Mark and uh, uh, the, the district of central Canada talking about, yeah, yeah, talking about uh, this idea that we had in Brockville. You know, wouldn't it be great if we had a coffee shop that hosted church? Wouldn't it be great is if, if, if we did a, a, a fitness center that generates relationships throughout the entire week, generates a secondary revenue for church, so church can be 100% missional with its revenue. And they liked the idea. And so this is what we did. When they, uh, we decided around Easter to... Uh, well, I called up a guy that owned a mall, and I said, your space hasn't been rented for a while. I'd like to have it for, like, next four to six months for absolutely free on Sundays only. And just, uh, you know, bring people in there to, uh, to, to show them the idea and do, do Sunday church. We didn't even have chairs. We didn't have a PA. We didn't have anything like that. I told people, bring your own chair, because I'm used to bring your own booze. And so I'm like, bring your own chair. I thought this Christian crowd would think it's funny, and they didn't think it was funny, right? They didn't want to bring their lawn chairs to church. I'm like, this is hilarious. Anyways, people were bringing their lawn chairs to church, and we launched this way that we were going to be more attractional to the community all week long than trying to do an attractional Sunday so that we get all different Christians from all different churches trying a new flavor. So what we did was uh, there was enough of a base that we could handle a partial rent up until Christmas. And so we went for it. I'm like, I found the money to start up uh, a kickboxing uh, uh, room and a fitness room, and, and we went for it, right? We didn't find it from, from our church. I found it elsewhere, and this is what's really unique. There's a, church, uh, sorry, there's a school in the, in the mall where our church is at, and I just call up the, the principal and saying, we need Sunday school space. I will teach six hours a week kids karate to your school. It's a private school, and you give us your space for free. It's 10,000 square feet, and she's like, Sure. And I'm like, great. We'll start second week of September. She's like, okay. She didn't even know who I was. I didn't know who she was. And that relationship still, st still exists. And so I'm going to give you some numbers right now to think of the relationships that fitness and kickboxing programs have created in our community. Right now there's about 80 people that we, 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 we hang out with every single week for 10 hours a week in kickboxing. 80 people that we're building relationships with. Uh, in women's only fitness, there's about 50 to 60 people every single week. Women's only fitness. Um, we do uh, babysitting, free babysitting once a month, and there's 70 kids that we have connection with. So moms and dads can go out, uh, and, and we, sh we, show a, uh, we show a movie, a movie just to kids in the community, right? Um, and we also have a youth group that's made 80 connections within the community outside of our Sunday church. Our Sunday church is 75 to, you know, the largest was ever 100, right? But uh, I don't count that. So, um, so, we have, uh, so we have a, a Sunday base, but we've got like over 200 people that we've established relationship with. Now let me talk to you about those relationships because I've got about three minutes now. This is why we do what we do. This is why we do what we do with the fitness 
and the kickboxing. It builds revenue and it builds relationships. The revenue helps fund the mission of uh, multiplication. So uh, I don't even know where to start with the stories. Uh, I had a kickboxing guy and he was a Sikh. As he's feeding me the knees into my face, he says, you're not my idea of a priest. And then he calls me up later on needing pastoral counseling for uh, relational issues. A Muslim in the class, at the end of the class, just flat out says, Mike, I wake up every morning with no hope. Why? There was a teen suicide, and my entire kickboxing class wanted to understand about life and death and eternity. Uh, One of my kickboxing students attempted suicide. A couple of my uh, kickboxing students are addicts. We walked them through a 12-step program. We counseled that girl that attempted suicide through it and her family. We've had a funeral and we've had some weddings. Just recently, a guy I've cultivated, he's my fight partner. Uh, We've cultivated a relationship with him with over two years. His Facebook status says skeptic. Two years. And he finally comes up and I'm like, how are you doing? And he's like, he's like, My marriage is on the rocks. Two years it took for this guy to trust some intimate part of his life. On our our Facebook kickboxing page, you will see moms bragging about uh, the creativity and the role models that we are to this community. And they call me Pastor Mike. It's interesting. See, what they're not saying is that, they're not saying that Mike is creative. They just don't have the language yet. What they're saying is, is they're attracted to the hope of Christ. They're attracted to the wholeness of Christ. But they don't know that language yet, even though we talk to them about this. Our entire junior high kickboxing uh, class came to the youth group. Majority of them made professions to faith. Uh, Moms from our private school that we teach karate to have come to our church when they were going through a, a, a divorce. And, and this one little girl from her kickboxing class came to youth group. She quit kickboxing. She's now in church, which is far better. Uh, she finally brought her non-Christian mom to church this Sunday. Time. Dang. There's so much to say. Can I just say one more thing? I want to talk about the finances. And this is not to be ignorant. This is to be realistic. Some of you are scared of church planting because it's like there's no security in it. I want to talk to you about tent making. Paul could talk to the guys on the mountain that are super brainiacs. But where did the guys on the mountain and everybody else in the city meet? In the marketplace. So when you're tent making, you're in the marketplace. You're around the crowds. Tent making allowed him to fund mission. Now, I want to plant a little thought in your head. If you love dance, you can tent make and church plant with dance. If you love aesthetics, is that the right word for like nails and hair and all that kind of stuff? If you, if you want to be a massage therapist, if you want to be a dance instructor, if you want to be a kickboxing coach, a fitness coach, there are so many things that you can do in a storefront. If you are a computer hacker and you want to have hacker scouts, after school program, all those things, all those things are relationship building and revenue building. You can have a storefront 
that foots your bill to put food on the, on, on the plate and a roof over your head that funds the mission of the church. This idea of tent making and marketplace mixed with ministry and church planting can multiply. I'm done. Thanks, Mike. I'm Richard Cox. I'm at Overflow Church in Altoona, Pennsylvania. I was five years old when I first sensed God that was, was calling me to be a missionary. I'd grown up in a family with a bunch of missionaries. My grandparents and great-grandparents were missionaries. And so as a kid, I assumed that being a missionary meant that I would go to some far remote corner of the world where I would be in a place where I didn't speak the language, I, I didn't understand the culture, and, and that was my idea of a missionary. At 15, my family moved to Africa as missionaries. I loved Africa more than anything I can even begin to describe. And yet the whole time I was in Africa, I began to get this sense that God was confirming that he wanted me to be a missionary, but he was calling me back to North America. I'll be honest with you, I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me because I felt like God was giving me a conflicting call. You can't call me two places at the same time. I'm one person. I'd grown up in the church in North America. I had this idea that North America was a prodigal nation. that Everybody had heard the gospel, but they had just simply chosen to reject it. And yet, I continued to follow God's call in my life. I, I got accepted into Kingswood, and because I knew God was calling me to be a missionary, I took the global ministry track. The whole time I was here, God continually confirmed that he was calling me to be a missionary. I can, I can still remember Mick Veach is speaking here, and he's, he's calling us to go to unreached people. And I could, as clear as anything, I knew God was calling me to be a missionary, that he wanted me to take the gospel to people that had not heard it. And yet I couldn't get over this nagging sense that he wanted me to come back to America. So I had my Jonah experience. I went to Central Asia on my internship. I loved it. I loved hanging out with Muslims and sharing with them about Jesus. It was amazing. And yet God continually said, I'm calling you back to North America. So after about seven years of wrestling with God, because you can't call me to two places. It doesn't work that way. You're God. I'm not. I took a position as an outreach pastor at the Hyde Wesleyan Church. And over a period of five years, God began to break my heart for the vast amount of people in our community that, that drove past our church, could walk to our church, knew our church existed, knew the name of Jesus, but had never heard the gospel. Two and a half years ago, that church sent us to Altoona to plant a new church. When we moved there, uh, we, we knew that we had to be missionaries. We knew four people in the city. Everybody on our launch team lived at least an hour away. We knew that if we were going to reach the people of Altoona, that we had to, to build relationships. We had to start thinking as a missionary would that would go to uh, Central Asia or would go to Africa. And so we just spent time relationship building and getting involved in the community, getting to know the community. I knew that we were finally starting to do the right thing when someone came up to me at the park and said, I have no idea who you are, but I see you everywhere. And I just had to come introduce myself. And since that time, we built a friendship with him. And I've been sharing Jesus with him. He hasn't made a decision yet, but he's asking a lot of questions. Uh, after 15 months, we had our grand opening in October of 2013, and it's been an amazing journey. God has given us so much favor in our city. Um, we haven't had a Sunday since our grand opening that 
that we haven't had first-time guests two Sundays ago. It was below zero Fahrenheit. That's odd for our city. Half our church didn't show up because it was so cold, and yet we still had first-time guests that were there checking out what God is doing. In December, a guy walks into our church, and he walks up to our host table, and he says, I've never been to church a day in my life. Someone's been witnessing to me at work, and I thought I should come check it out. Uh, after we had a conversation before afterwards he's walking out and he's like I know I've never been to church a day in my life but is it okay to get baptized next Sunday we were having a baptism like, well let's get together and talk so we got together that that day or the next day and talk and God is radically working in his life he was a professed atheist he told me the reason he was a professed atheist is because he never met a real Christian in the last couple months um some friends that were truly Christians began sharing Jesus with him, and it radically changed his life. We've been meeting together for Bible study, and he is devouring his Bible. He's, he's articulating things that I'm like, the Holy Spirit is working in your life, because I've talked to church people, and they don't even understand the things that you understand. Uh, when I was first talking to him, he's like, I told my mom what I did. She is upset. She is mad. Did I become a Christian? She blamed him for his brother's death. She's a drug addict. Um, but the Sunday that he got baptized, she was there. And she's been back multiple times now. She's been to uh, our life group multiple times. And she's excited. She hasn't made a decision for Christ, but she's excited about what she's discovering about Jesus. There's another couple that came to our grand opening. They'd come to an event, and then they, they got a door hanger. So they well, let's go check it out. She'd never been to church a day in her life. She told us flat out, I never heard the story of Jesus. She's gotten saved. She's gotten baptized. And I just got word recently through another church that she's been sending rumblings through the church community because she's been addressing the Christians at her workplace and saying, if you really believe the story of Jesus is true, why didn't you ever tell me the story of Jesus? Because this is the deal. God's done something in my life over the last year. Because when you start diving into the scripture and really looking at the story of Jesus and having to preach in an understanding that there are people there that have never been to church a day in their life, you come face to face with just how powerful the gospel is. You see, when people that have never heard the story hear the story of Jesus and are changed by it, they can't keep quiet. That's just what happens. Two weeks ago, we baptized a lady that was a fifth-generation invite since our grand opening. That This friend invited this friend who invited this friend, and God is working. We've had 53 decisions for Christ since our grand opening. We've baptized 30 people in the last eight months. But here's the deal. It's never been and it never will be about starting Overflow Church. There are tens of thousands of people in our city. There are hundreds of thousands of people in our region. There are millions of people in our nation, and there are billions of people in our world that have still not heard the story of Jesus. You see, I'm one of the crazy ones that actually think that it's possible to finish the Great Commission in our generation. Have you ever thought about what that would look like? Have you ever thought about what it would look like to be a part of the generation that gets to witness the second coming of Christ because we completed the task that we were commissioned to do? 
I could stand up here all day and tell you about churches that have literally reached thousands of people for Christ. And yet there's not one county in our entire country that between 2000 and 2010 reported growth in the church. Even with all the church planning that's taking on, we're not even keeping up with the decline of the established church. What does it look like to be a church that doesn't grow to thousands, although I believe we'll grow to thousands because our city demands that if we share the gospel, there will be churches that will plant it that will reach thousands. But what does it mean to plant in such a way that we begin to see the number of unreached people changed? The number of people in our cities that haven't heard the gospels begin to see that number changed. You see, the church in China has a saying that every believer, a church planner. I believe it. And because of that, we, we, everything we do at Overflow, everything is based on what God is calling us to. If we are going to be a church that sees the kingdom of God grow, we do things different. We, we've, we've implemented a training that we just started that, that we're, we're taking everybody through. Because this is what happens in Asia. I've been reading lots of books about what God is doing around the world. And this is the crazy thing. Sometimes we think God's sleeping. But right now, all over the world... The church is exploding. There's, there's churches where hundreds of thousands of churches are being planted. Millions of people are coming to Christ. And you know who's doing it? It's the believers. It's the, it's the business people that are getting saved and saying, the story of Jesus is so radically compelling that I cannot do anything but go and share the story. So we're taking our people through a four-week process where we're training them and we're equipping them to become disciple makers. We're teaching them how to go. Because I believe that we as pastors, leaders in the church, our job and your job is not to go into a church and do ministry for the believers. Your job is to equip the church to be the church, to join God on mission. Every single Sunday I tell our people, we are a church on a mission, to join God on his mission. Because God is very active and very alive in our city and he is inviting us to join him. And everything we do, is about equipping you to join God on mission. I believe that God is going to call people from our church that are going to go plant other churches. We just got permission from our DBA that in the fall of 2016, we're hoping to plant our next church, and we're going to send people from Overflow. This month, starting on Sunday, we're, we're doing a series called I Am a Missionary, and we're equipping our people. And I'm going to challenge them in three weeks that if we really believe this story of Jesus is true, that some of us will go to other parts of the world. Because that's the only explanation that we have, is that we've got to join God on mission. I realized that our people were starting to get it. A couple months ago, we were having a life group party at our house. And uh, the, I was talking to one of the couples that had been coming to Overflow, and the wife was telling me about how much she loved Overflow. She'd never been anywhere like that before. And the husband chimed in and said, well, you can't get too comfortable, because he's going to send you out. One of our launch team members I sat down with a businessman, a very successful businessman. He travels all over the country speaking to literally thousands of people. And I sat down with him uh, before we planted and said, we need you on our team. We need you to come and help us because we can't do this alone. And he point blank told me, I don't have the gifts. You don't need what I have. But because his wife wanted to help out in our kids' ministry, he said, well, I'll come and just fill a pew. And if you need some extra things, I'll help or whatever. Right now, he's working on his ordination because he's begun to realize that God is calling him. And he's not sure what that's going to look like. We actually sent him back to our sending church because he was driving over an hour a week 
And we're like, if you're going to be a pastor, you got to learn how to reach people in your neighborhood. And none of your neighbors are going to come to our church. So we sent him back because that's what sending churches do. You see, success for us is never how many people come into our church, but how many people are discipled and raised up and sent out. I tell our church that our goal and our desire and success for us is to be a forgotten church. What does it mean to be a forgotten church? Have you ever thought about that? You see, in the church world, it's all about how do, how do we get a bigger church? So everybody looks at us and says, look at what's going on. But what does it look like to be in a city where there are so many churches being planted, where there are so many established churches that are growing that nobody says, look at that church? They drive down and they say, look at what God's doing in that city. We live in a city where it's a church graveyard. More than a dozen churches had closed in the decade leading up to our planting our church. And since then, there's been three or four churches closed. One of them had a sanctuary that seats a 1,000 people. And it's gone. They're turning it into a parking garage. Our city and our country is in desperate need of missionaries. This is what I want to leave you with. Is that some of you... God is going to call to be pastors in established churches. Some of you, God is going to call to be school teachers. Some of you, he's going to call to be business people. But this is the thing that you need to know is that God is calling all of us to be missionaries. All of us. I don't have a special call. And you don't have a special call that the church hasn't received. We are all called to be missionaries, and we must join God on his mission and engage our world because there are thousands and millions and billions of people that have still not heard the gospel. If any of you are interested in an internship, we're looking to plant again in 2016, and you have opportunity to get involved in a very young church and also a brand new church. So talk to me afterwards. Okay, I have Mark coming up here with me. Um, how much longer are you guys here for? Leaving later today. So you're on for lunchtime, though, or right afterwards? So if you're wanting to catch up with these guys. We have a group booked in for lunch. Booked in for lunch, but, uh, yeah, if you want to connect, uh, you just have limited time. That's all I'm saying, like, if you're wanting to. Um, thank you so much, you guys, for sharing your heart. Do you guys appreciate them sharing their hearts with us? This has been a big day on church planning, and I hope, I hope you've been stirred and challenged. I was asked again, so clarify a couple things for me before we continue on. Um, when is the Dragon's Den happening here again? Saturday, April the 25th. At, uh, so the pizza served here for, for supper that night, so we're buying pizza for everybody. and that night. So Saturday, April 25th, and so even, even if you're not presenting, a lot of people came and heard the presentations as a group. So... Um, so that's one of those, it's really a community event, Saturday night, April 25th, if you're interested in that. Um, go walk me through, walk us through the process, and you, you guys know this again, like, if you're wanting to be a part of that, you, what do you call these? Uh, I call them a prospectus. A, pers a prospectus. This is called a prospectus, all right? So the things we went through to kind of establish that, and that you'd be looking for for that, we started with developing a team. Sure. Some of the components, you uh, a bio, if it's just an individual that's planting a church, they need to tell about themselves because people want to know who they are. Uh, if you have a team that's working with you, we want you to see you uh, what role all your team members are going to play, so that's a part of it. Then uh, we took you on into the demographics. You need to 
and to know your community. You need to know us so that you can identify default needs, so that you can do some things, that your church, your church can do some things that will build credibility. They don't know who you are, and sometimes in, in what uh, church world, you know, you need, to, you need to establish that credibility. You do it by a felt need, uh, recognizing and just saying, hey, we know you. We want to be a part of your community. Then we took you into uh, make sure you know what your mission, your purpose, and your vision is. Mission is what, is, uh, what has God called you to do, uh, your purpose, how are you going to do it, and your vision, what will it look like when you get it done? You, what will a win look like, uh, the bullseye? And so we talked about that. And, of course, then we just hit on finances, you know, and just kind of fun. Like, how are you going to finance this whole thing? I noticed a few of you, man, boy, you must have a sugar daddy in the woods because you, <laughs> you're looking for some pretty good money. And, uh, if, and if you get it, let me know about it. I want in on it, all right? So, um, so, so, so pretty good. Um, so you look through them. We do have, we have one that we picked out. Um, and before we do that, let's just go through this. What were some of the things as you were reading through it, some things just to acknowledge if you were like, so, for instance, there was one group that was heavy and going to be heavy on ch children's ministry, but then they, haven't, they didn't have a children's pastor. So that was one thing you noticed about one group. So then, so going through, what would be a few other things you noticed, like as you were thinking through this, that you would have said, think about this as you're going through that prospectus process. Sure. I just want to say you all did a great job. I just, again, I just mean that so sincerely. You did a great job, and I, I hope you give you give yourself a good round of applause because uh, that's awesome. Um, so what takes literally sometimes just months to develop it and minutes, you um, just very quickly, I was looking for things like what kind of team members you identified in your team uh, and uh, did it match up to what the felt needs were? You said were in your community. Um, did, your, did your team members and their role, did it match um, your community, some of those things? Um, did, were you grasping your mission, vision, and purpose? You know, it didn't have to be perfect, but were you getting close? Uh, to it, I saw uh, you did really well. I mean, then the big thing was finances. Finances. Some of you, um, I hope I'm not. You're just so unrealistic that it was just uh, funny. But um, but 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 then some of you were bang on. So so it's good. So you said after school programs is something that has been a really big deal and thing that really does play into that as well in different communities. And then give a give a realistic grasp of finances. So, okay, so you said some are unrealistic, some are realistic. Even for prospectus in the future, what would be realistic in that? If you're planting a church, usually the first year of a church plant, depending where you are contextually, so if you're, it's going to change. So if you're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Vancouver is the most expensive city to live in in all of North America. It just recently passed New York City. Uh, so, um, so Vancouver, British Columbia is the most expensive. So you've got to have some pretty good bucks in the bank to, to, to be there. Um, you know, so even just buying a house you're looking at, you gotta have, you gotta be able to finance almost a million and a half to buy a rundown house uh, in Vancouver. So you've gotta rethink how you live. Matter of fact, the hostels look pretty good uh, when, uh, when you think of that. So, so contextually, it makes a big, makes a big difference, but on average, you need about 100 grand a year uh, to to plant a church, all right. So um, so that's awesome, awesome. Um, okay, so we're we're getting ready to do this last thing. I'm not trying to hold that out, but I am I am trying to hold that out. Okay, so um, anything else you want to say about nitrogen? We have some T-shirts here. Um, uh, 
after we dismiss. Okay, here we go. So for those, um, you guys all did a great job. We, uh, we, the one we're going to go on, and someone asked, what if we can't do lunch or dinner? You come to us, and you, do, you plan a time, and we will make sure, because it depends on the number of people. Uh, thank you guys for all doing this, and really think about, even if you're not going to, in a church planning major, think about putting a proposal together and being a part of that Dragon's Den process on April 25th. Um, these guys are here afterwards. Uh, are, you, do you want to give me a drum roll? You know, you get some kind of drum roll? And the, the winning group for this time is... Brockville, Ontario. Where is Brockville, Ontario? There's our group right over there for their presentation and what they brought here. We had New York City, we had Tampa, we had a whole bunch of guys over the place. Thank you for what you did. You guys come talk to us afterwards. We appreciate all of you and how you've invested here. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for this group and the fun we had, and thank you for what you do. Help us to be active in the process as missionaries, as we just heard, to reach people for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, guys. Shirts are up here.